Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson. In this episode, we chat with the co-founder of Fit Insider, Joe Veneri. Fit Insider is a platform for fitness and wellness operators that includes a podcast, a newsletter, a jobs board, as well as an early stage fund that invests in related companies. We spend the first part of this conversation talking about Joe's background in the industry, how he's building the business, how he thinks about media and entrepreneurship. We then transition into a discussion of relevant companies in this fitness and wellness space that trail runners might be interested in. I think about things like wearable technology and supplements and stuff like that. We conclude the conversation with advice Joe has for listeners interested in building some sort of business in our sport, whether you're into e-commerce, coaching, race directing, uh, just being some sort of influencer, you name it. So yeah, whether you're looking for all those extra ways outside of running to get better, or you are an entrepreneur and you want to learn more via Joe's experience building a relatable business, this is a great conversation. I'll also add that Joe is a fellow podcaster, which in my opinion is always the perfect recipe for great conversational flow. I hope you enjoy this one because I really did. And Joe is somebody that looking forward to following for years to come. I think that Fit Insider is going to be a very, very, very recognizable name in a few years. So uh, stay tuned. Joe Veneri, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So this is primarily a trail running audience. That said, I think anybody in the sport is interested in longevity. They're interested in overall health and wellness. And that's why I wanted to have you on, because for those that aren't familiar, you are incredibly tapped into that industry, established companies, companies that are on the rise. And you built a business around it. It's called Fit Insider. Can you tell the audience the founding story of that business, what it's all about, who you aim to serve, et cetera? Yeah, for sure. First, I mean, uh, super grateful that you invited me on. And I guess somewhere along the way, discovered Fit Insider. But for people who aren't maybe familiar, it's we call it a platform for fitness and wellness operators. So it's very much focused on the business of fitness and wellness. And that platform includes a newsletter, podcast, jobs board, and an early stage fund where we invest in uh, health and fitness companies. And yeah, happy to go into detail about how we got there, but that's what we're working on now and super excited about getting into the new year and everything that, that we have in front of us there. Well, I guess we can start off by asking uh, what in your background inspired you to build this business? Yeah. And, and many ways it is the natural kind of evolution of everything when i say we talking about my brother anthony we've worked together for more than 10 years at this point and everything stems from the goal of helping people live healthier happier lives and this current evolution of fit insider is a, a jump from where we initially started which was well, first with ourselves, I was a college football player. Anthony was in the Marine Corps and it was really about how do we achieve peak performance. And so of course you go through all the various ways of doing that and training and coaches and supplements right around that point in time in our early twenties, our father was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer and he passed away shortly after that. And at that point we decided that we weren't going to pursue a traditional path. 
obviously as cliche as it sounds, when something that, like that happens, life is short, you have to make decisions and, and do the things that you want to do. So we said that we're going to work together and we're going to work in health and fitness uh, and really pursue this as a career. We didn't know for sure what that looked like at that point in time. So we did what we knew how to do, which was started just training people based on what we knew at local parks. And we were working out with kind of community members and friends and training youth sports teams. And as that kind of caught on, we got every certification that you could, became certified personal trainers, group exercise, strength coach. And at the same time, the business, I guess, at that point was gaining momentum. And we opened a small space, actually a sublease, and then opened our own space and then moved into a much larger space culminating with a, a 12,000 square foot gym, hundreds of members that we were fortunate over a number of years to, you know, grow that and develop multiple locations, yeah. license some of the training that we had developed. But the punchline of that is same thing, right? Health and fitness. How do we get people to achieve a healthier lifestyle, working with everybody from athletes to moms to you name it. And fortunately, as that kind of grew, we were able to move into the digital realm we started selling fitness equipment and programs all over the world. And most recently, we had a venture-backed startup uh, focused on health and fitness activities, which led to Fit Insider. And now is my long-winded answer uh, to your question, but coming full circle with having that experience uh, as operators, so to speak, entrepreneurs, where we're, we're starting businesses, we're working with people, we understand what it's like to go through the process of a, that, that health journey of trying to get better. So it can empathize and relate to both sides of that coin. And now fortunate enough, yeah, to, to build a business around talking about this industry, health tech, as you alluded to, longevity, but really anything as it relates to just movement and feeling better and, and eating well and those sorts of things. And at the same time, advising and investing in up and coming founders and companies. You know, so one lane I want to go in here is you mentioned that you have a history of training athletes. You built a successful brand around a gym. You launched a startup. Did all of the resources, the capital you built up over the years enable you to, to launch the media side of Fit Insider pretty successfully? Did you already have a predefined audience ready to go for this content? So it's a good question. And at each point in time, I gloss over, we started a business or we had the gym or we sold this thing. We were fortunate enough to make enough money to not be in a pinch, right? It's not like we were sitting on life-changing money. So many times you see headlines, right? So-and-so sold their company for X hundreds or tens of millions of dollars. It was never like that. We didn't have this immediate lottery ticket, life-changing money. Yeah, We always made more than enough to live super comfortable comfortably and trade it for the next thing so we were bootstrapping businesses this whole way making them profitable and then being in a position that when we sold it we were able to take some money off the table invest in ourselves and what we were building and then start the next thing so when we raised money for our last company that was the first time that we took outside capital um, we raised about five million dollars and then at the same time we're starting fit insider I guess the benefit that we had was that we, in some ways, had established a reputation okay. in the fitness industry. So uh, Mind Body is a huge company that does booking for gyms and studios. Yeah. They just acquired 
a consumer facing brand called ClassPass, which a lot of people know, they know ClassPass more than they know uh, MindBody. So MindBody was an investor in our last company. And so obviously that kind of taps you into a different realm of folks. At the same time, we're also getting to know maybe the, the venture ecosystem. So investors and folks like that. Yeah. So when we started to pursue Fit Insider, it was a lot of things coming together and, and really fortunate in terms of the timing. Like we were writing about Peloton in 2018, 2019, and not that many people were talking about it. And flash forward to today, it's like, well, you Peloton, it's like, yeah, that's a household name. People right. understand what that is. And right. you have a lot of different folks talking about it. So it's not that we had an audience already. We started just like everybody else, right? With the podcast, zero listeners day one and zero subscribers to the newsletter day one. Uh, but we knew the industry inside and out. We yeah. knew the right people in terms of who we wanted to reach and maybe how we could be valuable to them. And yeah, we were able to establish some type of reputation as like these guys know what they're talking about. Did you have a thesis about who your, your target audience was and who would want to be consuming this, this content? What is your target persona with Fit Insider? Yeah, we definitely did. And I think that's something top of mind if you're thinking about not only media, but like starting a company, it's like, who is this for? And every decision that you make from that point on is, does this impact resonate valuable to that particular person? For us, we think of it in a couple of different cohorts. One are early stage founders and okay. operators who are like, hey, how do I break into or start a company down this path? So we want to speak to it in a way where we're essentially doing the, a lot of the market research for them. Yeah. Um, so when they read it, they feel like, oh man, like these guys get me, like this is what I've been looking for. At the same time, there's the executive, right? Who works at one of these quote unquote health and fitness companies. And they want to be like more tapped in, like what's going on across the industry. And mm. basically our goal for them is that they don't have to go to 20 or 30 different sites to figure this out. Like we want to give them everything in one place, easy to read, uh, easy to consume. And then the, the third kind of cohort is the investor persona, right? They are looking to invest in or back companies and founders in this space. And they want to see like, what is the up and coming new thing and or trend that they should know about. Okay. And you mentioned you also have a jobs board. So is there, are there some career-minded people too that are coming to the site and hopefully looking to educate themselves to work at a company like Ring or Whoop or Strava? Yeah. So within those groups, there are certainly people who want to break into the industry. That was something we heard about a lot is like, hey, I love, I'm so passionate about this. Like, how do I get a job here? And there are also the maybe an MBA or graduate level students yeah. who they're in this they're like, hey, what do I want to do as my career path? I've tried a bunch of different stuff. Maybe I want to start a company. Maybe I want to be an investor. Maybe I want to go work at one of these companies. So again, just in the conversations that we started to have with people, it became very clear that there was no central resource for all of this where they could go and, and have it basically handed to them. So we built that. And we're still in the very early stages of evolving what that will become. Right now, it's just that there's maybe 100 companies on any given week, any day of the week, there's 900 to 1,000 openings that are on there. Um, so it's custom built that way to surface these jobs. But we want to expand it, right? We want to have better functionality. You can save a job. You can filter jobs in a better way. But again, it comes back to that idea of like, how can this be the absolute most valuable thing to this particular audience? And this was one of the things that 
kept coming up. I'm just curious because like in the outdoor industry, companies like North Face and Solomon, um, Adidas, Nike, I'm not aware of a fit insider equivalent for that space. Like I was talking with a, a guest on another episode and we thought that like a jobs board for the outdoor industry would be pretty sweet. And people like myself who might want to break into a company, you know, like Asics or Sock in a year, you know, New Balance. So I think the reason why I'm asking these questions is because hopefully there's listeners out there that are like, okay, what fit insider is doing for health and wellness overall. I'm sure there's untapped space in, in this industry too. So 100%, like, listen, we use the term and I'm happy to get as far into the weeds as you want to go like this. I think about this stuff all the time, Yeah. but and so stop me at any point if we're going too oh, no. far off no, the rails. Go ahead, go on. But when we use the terms health and wellness and fitness very broadly, intentionally, so we can talk about the Strava's and the hip camp, which is like a outdoor, like how do you book a campsite basically? Okay. And you name it. it yes. We want to include Nike and Lululemon in that definition because nobody is doing it directly. So we've thought about it from like, do we continue to do this and be expansive about the definition that we're using? and then incorporate some of these companies selectively into content in the jobs board? Or do we look to start other verticals that are adjacent to this, that maybe we start a CPG, consumer packaged goods right. and wellness beauty vertical, right? So it's not central fit insider, but it's adjacent to it. And so we own that as well. And then we start an outdoors one, and then we start a trail running, like, and then you go down the list. And so basically you have these industry specific verticals all under one umbrella. And there are examples of that, right? There's kind of morning brew is the more current version of yes. this where they yes. have the daily newsletter, the marketing letter, the HR newsletter, like a bunch of other finance, but there's another company called industry dive that also does this, yeah. that has one for healthcare, for uh, retail, for marketing, for food. So yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity to do this. And there's million dollar businesses to be built just like props to you for focusing on ultra and trail running. Like there's for gravel cycling, like for a little bit unrelated, but like pickleball, like somebody could start the oh, preeminent pickle, pickleball newsletter and podcast <laughs> and absolutely kill it. There's that uh, one of my favorite quotes is niches get riches. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the future a little bit. So as you're building this media company around health and wellness, you have the podcast, you got the newsletter, you got the jobs board, so on and so forth. Are you getting to a point where you can survey the audience to see what else they want in this space from a content creation standpoint? Based on that feedback, are you thinking about what you're going to build next and what does it maybe look like? Yeah. So it's, we're in a little bit of a unique spot that to this point, we actually haven't monetized anything on the platform. Okay. We've never run an ad. We don't charge for anything. We've done some consulting related to just the, the opportunities that present themselves, but we've actually built the platform and then spent a bunch of money investing in companies. So our flywheel, if you want to think about it, about it that way, that's how we oh, think yeah. about it yeah. is that we've, have established the kind of name and reputation, the expertise from having worked in the industry. We're putting out content now as basically that beacon for anybody else who's like-minded and, and in that, that industry. And we've chosen to now invest capital to the, the founders because we think the upside, the return on that is much more than 
maybe the ads that we can run at this particular stage where it's still yeah. pretty early for us yeah. in terms of our ambition to do this. Now, that said, going into the new year, we have a monetization plan. We'll start doing things from an ad standpoint. But so we've invested money in about 15 companies to this point. That was our own capital. And now going into the new year, we'll have outside capital that will also invest. So be able to write much larger checks, invest in many more companies. Yeah. And that, that definitely being a pillar of, or a piece of the flywheel. It's fascinating that you're investing in companies in the industry. Does that complicate what you're doing on the media side at all in the long run? I don't think so because we don't present ourselves as journalists. Like I'm not out here saying like reporting or breaking stories or getting scoops. Right. Right. I'm purely here to, well, one, we're basically putting our opinion on the internet. Like this is a a platform for us to share our thinking. And when you go a step further than that, when you think about anybody else who's wants to start a media company down this path or how you think about the audience, it's like, or even the value in doing it to begin with is we purely share our best ideas they like every single day on every platform we can as a way of saying like we're leading with value like we're trying to be here to give you something that we hope is useful and is resonates and drives the industry forward so it's i think a far cry from trying to be the new york times or like somebody who's going out there and reporting facts and like trying to say a versus b or (laughs) break a story. So there's that piece. We want to be mindful of that. And then the second part of it is you just ultimately have to be a good person and be transparent. So like all of our investments are on the site. When we write about a company we invested in, we put an asterisk next to it and say, we invested in this company. But at the same time, those companies know, like we're not, we're most certainly going to write about their competitors. Like we're not going to withhold any information and not talk about another company doing yeah. Something in a similar space. So yeah, I think it could potentially complicate things if we wanted to be big J capital J journalists, but I think approaching it in a way where it's like, this is the platform and this is how we're choosing to monetize or operate the platform and just being transparent with people. I, I think it removes that hurdle. That makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the takeaways from this whole conversation that the audience might find valuable is that if you just build up a media company first for an industry, you have so much optionality in terms of where you can go with it for monetization. Like maybe we can talk, if you're comfortable with it, maybe we can talk a bit about the monetization strategy in 2022. Yeah. There's when on the media side, it's, it's not rocket science, right? It's like you have the, an audience, that audience is valuable. Who is that audience valuable to? Why is it valuable to them? And for us, we have a highly curated group of decision makers. We think of them as decision makers uh, at their respective companies. And so what is that worth to a brand that wants to get in front of them? And then what's the lifetime value of potentially that purchase? So I think, yeah, in terms of like details of that, we want to put ads in the newsletter. Like we want to put ads on the podcast. We want to do sponsored and promoted content. We have, as I mentioned to this point, done some consulting based on the relationships we've built 
through the media platform. And yeah, in raising outside capital, there's uh, kind of monetization that comes with that in terms of this is also super in the weeds uh, if anybody's interested, but there's fees and management fees and returns that are associated with managing that money beyond the investments themselves. That's also a monetization path. All of these are more or less valuable given who you are and what you want to work on and how you want to spend your time. Like, listen, we've been in the game of creating content online and monetizing it and selling ads against it for a while. And so for me to lead a team of content creators and now at this point, like analysts who are developing super in-depth, like well-researched content, I love that. We have a ton of fun with it. And for Anthony, my brother and co-founder to then go out and sell different sponsorships or ad placements against that, like it's what he does. So it's, we we enjoy doing that. But if you weren't somebody, if, if you weren't somebody who liked doing that, it's like, there are other ways to do that purely from the perspective of like, could I do this as a way of getting a job at a company I want to get a job at? Could I do this as a way of potentially, as I mentioned, consulting and putting myself out there as an expert in the industry. Like there's all kinds of different ways and reasons. And I think one thing for people, if they're thinking about going down this path to think about is like, from a lifestyle perspective, what do you want to do? What do you want the outcome to be? And reverse engineer from that versus being like, oh, I have to get a million subscribers and these clients and I don't want to deal with them and like all this stuff. Like that's not the only way to do it. Right. Well, pivoting a bit, what is exciting you most about your industry right now that you think might be interesting to this trail running audience? So maybe I'll talk a little bit about the industry and what's exciting. And then I'll get specifically into perfect the, the kind perfect. of trail running stuff. I think in general, what's exciting is just like how much health and fitness is top of mind for people right now. I mean, obviously I know it's terrible, like coming out of the pandemic or whatever, to the extent that we're still in the pandemic. I don't even, I can't, I don't know anymore. Like what to <laughs> what, like what the right word is to say, it's like, it's over. It's not. We're it's in new, it's not yeah. Right. So as all of that continues to happen, the, the, the amount of time, and conversation and focus being put on health and wellness and fitness is I think at like all time high. So then that creates an opportunity, right? For founders and companies who are creating products for this audience, who's willing to spend more money on it, who's thinking about it more, who's more engaged. And if you take that a step further, historically or traditionally, when you say fitness, you have like group fitness classes, Yeah. you have like bodybuilders, then you have cardio equipment and, and running. And that doesn't appeal to everybody. Not everybody resonates with that. And for the longest time, people were like, oh, I don't like fitness. I don't like exercise. I don't like this whole idea of working out. And now working out, because there are so many more people and different approaches to fitness, like well, do you like gaming? Do you like virtual reality? Do you like outdoor recreation? Do you like community-based like social activities? Do you like, you name it. And there's a, an option or a company or a category developing around that. So I'm super stoked to see just like this expansive definition and the optionality that people have now to be like, oh, I can totally get into this. And I, I love it. And it works for me. 
and now I can start to exercise or now I can feel better. And when you zoom out, that's true of every category, like mental health. Well, until recently, it was like talking about mental health or therapy or whatever, even meditation publicly. It was like, eh, we don't, we don't really talk yeah. about that. <laughs> right. and, and now athletes are talking about it. They're investing in companies who are working on it. It's accessible. It's there and nutrition and so on and so forth. So long winded answer. I just think the accessibility, the various approaches and the, the optionality that people have around like this evolving uh, definition of health and fitness, I think it's super cool to see. And it, I actually think we're at the very early stages of it. That's a great answer. What comes to mind for me when I'm making like uh, an equivalency is like where food was in America, like 60 or 70 years ago versus now yeah. where like we have all sorts of choices. There's a thing, Indian's a thing, beer, like beer. It used to yeah. just be like Miller Lite and Heineken was the fancy thing. Now we have 20 million craft beers out there. You're talking about this optionality for fitness and health and wellness. I think we're in that same moment now, or at least the beginning of it. So right on. How about as we narrow this to a trail running audience, are there any companies out there with products and services where when you think about them, you're like, oh, some trail runners might be interested. Cause like, I think a lot of folks are aware obviously of Strava. So Strava is like the temple for trail runners. Yeah. We love that platform. That's like our main social media thing. I think people are talking about whoop and Ura a fair amount now too. And like some of the GPS watches, but what are some ones I might not be aware of? Yeah. Ahead of the conversation, thinking about that, like being valuable to the, the audience and stuff that, I, that I've been talking about to this point, I tried to pull a few that maybe don't come up as often. Yeah. Um, so obviously Strava, you mentioned Whoop and Aura. Those are great. Garmin has been in it forever. Right. But one that came to mind that maybe you've heard of, I hadn't heard of it until they reached out. Yeah. I think maybe we covered them in one of the newsletters, but it's called Vert Run. Vert Run. Okay. It's uh, actually vert.run and it's training plans and coaching for ultra and trail running. Mm. So there's obviously all kinds of different options, right? When it comes to like fitness training plans, like yeah. everybody, it seems like every trainer has an app or there's an app for everything. But basically, yeah, what they're doing is creating personalized training programs specifically for that ultra and trail running audience. I thought it was pretty cool. We'll link to it in the show notes too. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a rundown. There's another one called uh, Recover Athletics. We're actually an investor in, yeah, so full transparency, we're an investor okay. in, yeah. but they're a prehab and rehab app for runners. So I'm sure it's like a ridiculous number percentage of runners get injured every year. <laughs> and this is like, so what do we do to prevent that or to help them get back out there faster? So this app is all about muscle stabilization, training, and preventative measures in addition to recovery stuff to keep runners out on the trail or out on the road. Hell yeah. There's a company called Levels, I think, where you attach yeah. a patch to your tricep and it's like a blood glucose monitor. Are there any companies like that runners might be interested in as well? Because like nutrition is a thing too in our sport for sure. Yeah. I don't think it's available in the US yet. Or maybe they just recently launched in the US, but definitely worth looking into. It's called Super Sapiens. Super Sapiens. Um, and Super Sapiens is a continuous glucose monitor, which is the same as Levels, right? So it's a little disc, a bio wearable is what they call it, that you put on your arm, you sync your app to it, 
and it gives you your glucose glucose reading, which is basically like, am I fueled or how fueled am I? In the case of glucose monitoring, it's specifically used for diabetics because you want to make sure that your blood glucose is in a specific range. But for athletes, you want to make sure that you're actually timing your fuel intake to your performance and understand like, Hey, am I going to crash? Am I going to hit the wall? And if I, I am, or am I at risk of that? Yeah. Do I need to intake specific food? And in this case, sugar, glucose. So yeah, super sapiens is specifically targeted at endurance athletes and cyclists, but they also have a partnership with Ironman. They're doing a lot with like elite level marathoners and what's his name phil sutherland is the ceo i had him on my podcast and yeah it's specifically relevant to this audience the way that he describes it is uh, a, a fuel meter or an energy meter where they're using sport as a platform to transform health so yeah super compelling what's the price point for sorry to put you on the spot but do you know like the price point for that because I'm going to preface it by saying there's another, it reminds me of another company called inside tracker yeah. and you take like a blood test. And then a month later, they give you back this report of like where you're deficient nutritionally is the price point on the, on these companies and these products. Is it affordable? Is it still like at a point where until we have more of that adoption curve involved more early majority, it's going to be expensive. It's pretty expensive. I don't know what super sapiens is, but I feel like levels is like hundreds of dollars a month, yeah. like $300 a month. So yeah, it's not cheap. And this is partially a, you know, in some ways I'm a walking contradiction because I've tried all these products and I'm fortunate enough that through meeting the founders, or whatever, oftentimes like I get sent like a sample or an early version and get to play around with it. So I used levels for a little bit, but I don't use any wearable on a daily basis. I don't use any connected fitness device. I don't track anything, you name it. Like I, I basically the most standard, like I have a full garage gym. I have bumper plates. I have kettlebells. I enjoy like pushing a sled and running hill sprints, but at the same time, like that we've invested in a number of companies that yeah. obviously are health and fitness tech. And I write about it all the time and I go back and forth between like, man, if people just were more physically active, went for a walk, went outside, were in nature, drank water, didn't eat sugar, maybe didn't consume alcohol. Certainly not as much as people tend to like, right. <laughs> we, we would be so much closer to, all of our health goals and happiness and all those things. But at the same time, as we have already talked about, right? Like all of these things are increasing access and are helping people with healthier lifestyles. And it's not necessary and it might be more expensive or there's marketing behind it that maybe puts a celebrity or whoever front and center and maybe over promises in some yeah. respects. So yeah, I go back and forth with those things. And it's definitely something that I've yet to reconcile, like the exact right answer, but I just try to be conscious of it and be upfront about it. That I don't think there is a magic bullet. I, I think I agree with you on the back to basic sentiment. I, I've been following a lot of Andrew Huberman's content. Yeah. He's like that Stanford neuroscientist. And he says that the most important thing you can do every day is as soon as you wake up, just go outside and look into the sun for 10 minutes. 
I've that's been doing gonna, it. Yeah, it, it's just going to set the table for everything. But the second thing, the reason I think I'm so excited about these wearables is it's a disruption thing. As soon as you start having all this data at your disposal and you can check your health in real time, that might remove the need to ever go to like the doctor ever again, or like the PT ever again, because you can like troubleshoot in real time. So that world somewhere in the future is very exciting to me. Yeah. Listen, uh, so people tend to ask, just like if you zoom out, Hey, you see a lot of stuff. Like, what are you most excited about? Is there what's coming next? Yeah. And if you want to jump to that, it's like, because everything is so fragmented and there are so many different options, solutions, companies, products that I, I don't know if I were to go down that path, like even now, right. Maybe I don't use any wearables, but like, I still get my blood drawn. I still track like heart rate variability from time. Like I do all this stuff. All of that is totally siloed. It's yeah. totally fragmented. Yeah. And uh, uh, what am I supposed to make sense of it by myself on my own? A, where does all of that live? So if you take one step down a path, it's like, I'm super excited about the interoperability of like, how do these things begin to work together? And then a step further is like, is there a company that puts together a turnkey ecosystem that food, fitness, sleep, mental health, it's yeah. done for me so that if I show up and do the work, oh, by the way, which I'm already doing, yeah. and I'm already spending the money and I'm already spending the time, how does this track towards me meaningfully getting better? And then like the big leap, right, is how does that connect to healthcare and my doctor and like literally anything else around actual medical well-being? Um, so yeah, I think those are the starts of when you talk about it, right? This is the tip of the spear, right? We're just scratching the surface of what's going to happen. And all of the things now are interesting and it's part of what's going to help us get there, right? You need somebody to be at the forefront and charting a course and lowering the price point and increasing access. But when you start to put all the pieces together, that's when it starts to get really interesting. And there will be a point where it might almost feel like there's like a lull of innovation and then like a huge leap where it all gets connected and integrated that it starts to get like super interesting. Well, if anyone in the audience has tracked the talking points on tech Twitter over the years, there's been this longing for a personal CRM. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like the other thing on my wish list is like a personal healthcare CRM, like for that sure. you're describing. And we don't have that yet, but like bringing all of this data together in a way that tells a story and can diagnose and prescribe and just make sense. Yeah. There's a, a couple things. So there are a couple, right? There's a company called Gyroscope that okay. is like a, a personal, basically it wants to bring all of your analytics, health analytics into one place as like a dashboard. And then there's a company called Heads Up Health, which is also a health data dashboard situation. There's a company called Terra, T-E-R-R-A, mm -hmm. um, that is on the back end. They're taking and making all of the APIs. So a wearable can sync with a connected fitness device can sync with you name it. Right. So it's starting to piece these things together, but yeah, I've jokingly said the same idea, like the CRM situation. I don't think we've made the term up, but we, we reference it a lot, the high performance lifestyle. Mm. So I think of 
probably someone like yourself, yeah. someone like me, who's like trying to optimize all these different aspects of our life. Not quite like quantified self. Like I'm not that nerdy and I don't geek out about it. And I'm not like a biohacker. I'm not like trying to live forever, but like high performance lifestyle. I want to be better at every aspect of life to the extent that it helps me yeah. live longer and whatever yeah. else. So a high performance concierge that I could basically go to them and say, I want top of the line, whatever for X, Y, and Z. I want to achieve these goals. I want, whether it's weight gain or loss or performance or time or strength, but you name it. And they're like, cool, there's what you need. And they just send me a box. And in, in that box is everything that I need to do. And there's, you know, a couple of companies that are working on stuff down that path. Yeah. This is, I feel like I just keep getting deeper and deeper in the weeds. Oh no, um, this is great. Now the audience will love this. One is called Fount. F-O-U-N-T. Okay. Uh, uh, very early. Uh, they're probably still in beta. And another one is called Maslow, like Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. Yep. Great. They, they basically, they're saying to you, like, what do you want to do? What do you, what are your goals health-wise? Like, we'll figure it out. So I think that's also very cool. One question I have before we pivot to another area of the conversation, when you see so clearly where the puck is going in this industry and you see all the opportunity available, Maybe you satisfy yourself through investments, but how do you hold yourself back from going and building one of these companies yourself in addition to being the media arm in the industry? We're not. <laughs> We're, we haven't yet. When I reference that, like we haven't spun out a company or different companies yet. Yeah. And we also haven't limited ourselves to say that we won't. Okay. But there's a certain amount of patience and focus, right? It's very easy to get distracted. The shiny object or yeah. you name it. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we're doing the kind of platform to the best of our ability before we go and start doing some of these other things because we see the platform as uh, the Death Star. Like it is the vehicle to get us where to where we want to go and it will always be there. And if we don't have the platform, none of this other stuff happens because if we have the platform we will use it to get in front of investors who will mm. invest in the company that we mm. start we will use it to recruit talent and we will put them in charge of the company that we start like we will need customers we will use the platform to get customers when we start the company like but without it it's like you're just back at square one so we have to make the current thing totally invaluable and then to think about what those other things are and yeah, we haven't said that we won't do it, I guess is the, the one way to think about it. Well, I'm just saying as a first mover in your space, it's got to be incredibly difficult not to be distracted because like you said, there's just a lot of opportunity pivoting here. I think this has been a really valuable conversation. I'm not just scratching my own itch. Like there are a lot of people in the audience that want to make trail running their life. Like they want to build mm. some sort of, at least a lifestyle business to make this their one thing. And you're in a pretty similar, at least an adjacent industry. What advice do you have for listeners who are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur in the health, wellness, fitness industries? Take that wherever you want. Maybe we'll take it. I guess there's a couple of ways to answer it, but one thinking about like trail running specifically, right. In endurance sports and mm. the outdoors, that industry is huge. It's growing. Like 
you look at Strava's annual report, like, I don't know, record number of activities uploaded, yeah. 95, 95 million members, they're a billion dollar company. Like I have this, I wouldn't call it a thesis, but like this idea around the unbundling of Strava. So, Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah. There's a saying, right. That there's two ways to make money bundling and unbundling. And it's like putting services together and charging a lower price or unbundling and charging an individual price for every aspect of it. So this, the kind of Silicon Valley, right. Startup case study of this is Craigslist. If you go to Craigslist, all a lot of the billion dollar companies now are like a vertical on Craigslist spun out into a standalone company. And there's a cool graphic. If you search it like on Google, you'll find it. So you look at Strava, it's like, okay, can it be everything to everyone? Like maybe to a certain extent, but then it starts to like, well, it's not as effective for me as a ultra runner. It's not effective for me as a kayaker, Mm. or it's not as effective for me as a rock climber. Right. So maybe I want to use it for some things, but like not everything. And to that point, there's a company called Kaya, uh, K-A-Y-A, that is Strava for rock climbing. That's how they describe themselves. Mm. And it's basically like, we want to show you where the routes are. We want you to take photos of yourself climbing. We want to be with you when you're at the gym climbing. We want to connect the climbing community to the gyms, to instructors. And it's like, ah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so you can see how that might happen in other outdoor niches right not to say that it's going to be a full-fledged hey let's be the social network for gravel cycling or be the social network for trail running right Strava is going to own some aspects of that but i think when you think about like cyclists for example like there's a definite problem around how do we coordinate a group ride and like, what if we get separated during a group ride? Right. Or what if we want to meet up after or before? Right. What if I'm late and you guys already left? Like, so what is like a Slack, WhatsApp messaging equivalent for like cyclists where they can, you know, connect that is a more functionality yeah. than, just what, than just WhatsApp, right? Or some of the community things that go along with that. So there's as I'm talking, like tons of different companies popping sure. to mind that we've seen, but like this idea that like you might look at a space and be, oh, Strava is the preeminent whatever and killing it. It's like, that just says that there's so much more opportunity down that path because Strava's looking at it and being like, oh, we're going to be, we're almost a hundred million members. Well, we, we're going to be 700 million members. Like yeah. that's what they put their total addressable, um, yeah. total addressable market at. It's like, yeah. If you're going down that path, like there's surely going to be pieces of that that can be unbundled. Totally. I just had um, Mark Ganey, who's their co-founder yeah, on the on awesome. the show, a couple months ago, and they've made a deliberate choice to not really be a multi-sided platform. Like they don't really want to introduce advertisers in traditional Instagram and Facebook-like ways to the platform. It might be in their roadmap, but. Right now, it's really hard to be a creator on that platform and to build an audience on that platform. There aren't really many built-in discoverability mechanisms to meet people virtually. Like a lot of like my followers on Strava, for example, I met at events in real life, which is probably healthy. But like, like with Instagram and Facebook, you don't have that same opportunity on Strava. So 
opportunity in so many ways. I love that example. Going back to some advice for potential entrepreneurs in trail running, how would you approach the building of a media company? So like maybe you can talk about what's worked well at Fit Insider that might have applicability within the trail running niche as well. Yeah. And I'm admittedly not as familiar with the intricacies of the industry as like you would be, or maybe some listeners would be, but I would just start like with scratching your own itch and like, what is it that you want to know that like nobody's like talking about right now? So there's, it could be as simple as like, Hey, I want to talk to every, the top, whatever, 100 trail runners in the sport that are whatever, winning the races, whatever, talking about their training plan. Yeah. Start a podcast, start a newsletter, do that, put that out, like do that for 52 weeks a year and then poke your head up and see where you are. Or same thing, like maybe you want to think about how is it that brands are going about marketing to this audience? So go to all these companies. I guess one of the things that even take the fact that like I had any type of reputation or relationships in the health and fitness industry, like the people that said yes to me when I didn't have a show or didn't have an audience is it will blow you away. Oh, so no, I share the same experience. Yeah. It's, it's so, so I'm a no, I was a nobody. I am still a nobody, but yeah. Likewise, but it gives you a reason to reach out to somebody and they will say yes. And so director of marketing and XYZ company, how do you think about the trail running industry? How are you approaching it? The evolution of the brand? How do you think about reaching this audience? Do you think it's an opportunity? Put that out there for 52 weeks, poke your head up and see where it is. Like that's how I would start to think about it. Those are fantastic answers. Yeah. I love that. Great idea. Yeah, In in the same way that like it's there's, there are pieces of anything that feel like, it's a secret or it's a black box or it's like, Oh, I wonder why somebody doesn't talk about that. Okay. If you're thinking that there's a thousand people thinking that there's 10,000 people thinking that there's a hundred, there is an audience of people that are thinking that. So you can go down, you can pull that thread as much as you want. Yeah. And I would say then from there, the next step is like, what is the most obtainable smallest step you can take to do that? And for me, when we started, I didn't want to have a podcast. I, I had no interest in, in being the voice. I had no interest in like, I, I just didn't, I don't know if it was a whatever confidence thing or a time thing. I just didn't want to do it. But I said, fine, I'll do it. I will do audio only because I don't want to mess with video and I'll do it for a month. And if I can make it every week for a month, I'll try the next month. I'll try the next month. Well, it's 115 episodes later and I've interviewed every billion dollar founder of every health and fitness company that like you name the company, I've talked to them on the show. And if I haven't, like they want to be on the show and I would have never thought that that was going to be the outcome. And so flash forward until 2020, it's like, we're launching video, we're launching a second YouTube channel, like we're for clips, like we're like, so it, it, it's just don't people, what is it? They underestimate what they can do, overestimate what they can do in a day, underestimate what they can do in yep. a year. Yep. So that's hundred percent true. 
And yeah, I would just encourage people to be curious, uh, be consistent and start and just keep going. Let's plug the podcast for a second, because I'm a long time listener. What have been some of your favorite conversations? And then what have been some of your favorite or most remarkable insights over the last hundred, hundred plus episodes? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Hope we can continue to, to keep putting out good content that folks enjoy. But yeah, I think some of the ones that stand out, probably Eric Rosa is the CEO of CrossFit. Mm. So I am not like I'm by no means in the cult of CrossFit, but I do a lot of like their training methodologies and previously owned CrossFit affiliates. So we had gyms and uh, stuff under the CrossFit banner. And for anybody that follows the kind of industry, there was like a huge falling out. There were some race, racism and sexism and stuff around the, the CrossFit community. Their, their founder and CEO was forced to step down and like yeah. a fire sale. Yeah. Uh, and Rosa, who was a long time, like kind of CrossFit owner, stepped in, bought the company and is like engineering a turnaround. And so like, man, to be in that type of turmoil as a leader is it, it willingly jump into it. Yeah. It was an interesting conversation. I think he's a, a cool. super solid guy. So that one stands out. And CrossFit is, is a great case study in tribe building too. Like they yeah. built a really passionate uh, fan base subscribers to the methodology. So that's cool too. Yeah. It was a cool conversation. And one of the ones that was like, oh man, like I get to talk to him about this and yeah, man, I'm drawing a blank somehow as I think oh, that's about a good one. folks that are on there. What have you learned the most? Man, that this, I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean this in like a very positive way. Like no one, none of, none of these people are geniuses. They don't know. They don't know anything that like you didn't want it, it, I don't know it again that sounds negative I want to no, like, no, caveat no. that like super that... hardcore with like it's not a negative thing it's like a reassuring thing like they're out there doing their best and working hard and like I'm out there doing my best and working hard and like the delta between us is like time luck and hard work yeah yeah like and so when you look and you say like, oh, this person and the opportunities that they had and they run a billion dollar company, whatever, it's like, not to say that that's what I want to do or what everybody else should want to aspire to, but it's like, it's achieve like it's obtainable. Like they're just regular people who like work hard and probably don't have any secrets that like you don't have access to. I think that that's actually an incredibly uplifting point and it's an invitation for more people to get into the arena. Yeah. And it just increases the perceived accessibility of this whole thing. The last question I want to ask you before we wind down here, now that you're doing your thing at Fit Insider, you study a lot of up and coming businesses in the industry. I'm, I'm sure you're noticing gaps. Do you have any requests for specific startups in the space? We talked about the concierge, right? The, yep. the high yep. perform, performance concierge. One. The idea of like some type of whatever vertically integrated ecosystem or like a uh, turnkey solution to health, I think would be super impactful, but yeah, I don't beyond those. Those are probably the two that like jump to mind most of the time. And then yeah. like 
beyond that, I would just echo your sentiment, which is like the the door is open. The barrier to entry has never been lower. Access to information, access to men- mentors, access to capital. If you feel like you would, for some reason, which you don't, which is like another common misconception, like you don't necessarily need to raise money or take investors, whatever, to, to have a company. Like, so I would encourage people to do that. And there's commonly, it's like, one way of thinking about it is like, go all in, right? Make make it such that there's no backup plan. There's no plan B that you can't choose an alternative because if you had an alternative, like you wouldn't pursue the first thing. And I actually disagree with that. So I was setting it up, right? Uh, the the I, almost said, I almost said I 1000% agree. So I take that back. <laughs> right. So there, there, there is that way to think about it. And it's not wrong, but it's not the only way because like, I would say that I have followed that path to this point. It was like, it was all on me and us. And if we ran out of money, we were out of money. Like it was the, that was the end of that. And sure. Like the worst case scenario in reality, wasn't that bad, but whatever. There's also another way to think about it, which is like, what if you, try to get close to the smartest person that you could or the person that you respected the most or a company or an operator that you thought was successful, your definition of success or was going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And you were the number two or the number 10 or the number 50, right? And you made yourself invaluable. You learned everything that you could. You established some type of base level of savings or capital that you knew that during that time, what you were going to do was kind of test and try and experiment and talk to people and look for opportunities and explore and maybe launch something and see how it went. And you started to plot this course for yourself where failure was actually like the goal, right? It was like, how do I get to a place where I can see if this thing works or doesn't work? Or I can see if this thing is starting to get escape velocity or it isn't, or if it's worth pursuing and going all in on. And I think there's something to be said for the, not that everybody's going to be able to find, right? The equivalent of a Facebook, so to speak, but like the hundred or thousandth or whatever, it's that thousandth employee at Facebook, still a millionaire. Like based on just being at the right place at the right time with the right industry at the right company. So, yeah, I think there's all I'm trying to say is like, there's a lot of different ways to be in the game that is not being a millionaire or homeless. Right. And so I would encourage people to just to seek out smart people and opportunities, try to put themselves at the right place at the right time and have a seat at the table. And if you have a seat at the table, like that's where it starts to get really interesting. Yeah. Before we uh, conclude, we ask a couple of fun questions to close out. The first, what is a favorite book, podcast, or movie you have consumed recently that has left a mark, that's changed the way you think and view the world? So many. Um, we'll, go, we'll go the book route. I'm looking at a stack that I have here. I'm just rereading. It's super short. You can read it in, I don't know, probably under an hour. It's called As a Man Thinketh. And it's by James Allen. It's, I don't know how old it is at this point. It's kind of, it's self-helpy. And some of the things are cliche, but the basic premise of the book is that as the title would suggest, 
as a man thinketh that like everything you think you feel you see like any outcome is a product of your mindset and that if you are in some ways prioritizing and thinking about and being conscious of planning positive seeds and thoughts that you will reap positive benefits so yeah just rereading that righteous Um, but in general i'm a huge nerd i was a history and political science major so i read yeah i read like biographies most of the time cool well i gotta give you one if you and i don't watch that much tv but i just watched this movie called 14 peaks last night on netflix it's about this uh sherpa in nepal that summits all 14 peaks over 8,000 meters in the Himalayas. And it's absolutely incredible because it's the first time that sort of the camera has turned around onto the Sherpas and given them the credit for how just baller they are as climbers and just the feats of endurance. If you get a chance, I can't recommend it enough. And to the listeners, go watch it. It's fantastic. I was like enraptured. Last question. If you were given a billboard on a highway, a very well-populated highway, and you could put any message on it for viewers to see, what would it be? Start now. Amen. Well, okay. Before we go, this has been such an awesome conversation. Cannot thank you enough. Use this space here to plug any initiatives that Fit Insider's working on and then where people can find you on social too. Yeah. I just, we encourage people to check it out. Um, Insider.fit.co. Basically everything from there, like uh, you'll be able to find it pretty easily. And I'm Joe Venary on all the socials, but yeah, it's, I'm super grateful for the time. And ultimately it's like, we just want to make something that people find useful and hopefully they can use in their, their journey to building a business or getting a job that they want, or just understanding more about what we think is a, a pretty transformative industry. So it's all free, like check it out and subscribe if you want, listen if you want, and that's it. Let's put a pin in it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Matt. Okay. That's a wrap. If you haven't already done so, please consider leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. And if you've already done that, please consider sharing these episodes on social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, wherever you spend your most time. We are right smack in the middle of that phase where grassroots organic word of mouth marketing is so important. I truly mean this when I say every action that you take to help promote the show helps more people discover it. So... Thank you, thank you, thank you for whatever you were able to do to help support. Until next time, I'm your host, Finn Melanson. I love being here.